Prime Time with Sean Mooney is brought to you by Ting Mobile, the best mobile you've never heard of. And by Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. However, standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Are you laughing, Sean? Leroy was different. He actually one time tried to shoot me. Mooney, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. Did you just laugh, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. I think it would take probably $100,000 at least to bring us in for the Hall of Fame. I don't even have a computer in my house. I don't even have a smartphone, none of that stuff. Somebody calls me and says, Jim, here's your email by phone delivery. I, I gave this lady a note. It says, do you like me, yes or no? And she wrote in, maybe. I knew something was wrong then because... Uh, just the aura and the vibe. I can remember one of the ER people walking out, meeting me and giving me the news. They got my shirt off, they got my jacket off, but the tie got knotted and they just didn't take the tie off. So I'm laying there with my tie and he saw an opportunity and he just came up and, uh, you know, kind of got on my back and uh, strangled me with the tie. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Primetime with Sean Mooney. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode with Jim Ross. You know, that was actually a conversation I had with Jim a few months back that we had originally put up when we attempted to go with the premium platform. Uh, we had planned to put that episode up on YouTube on our channel there, but we got into a bit of a bind last week when our scheduled guests fell through. So instead of not putting up an episode, we decided to use the JR conversation instead. Um, and looking at the numbers, it seems everybody enjoyed it. I know I certainly did. Uh, Jim provided a lot of insight into what it takes to become one of the absolute best in the business and a true legend, and uh, the man is is still at it. Uh, this week, we do, though, have a brand new episode. I have mentioned before that, you know, I want to start opening up our guest list by inviting other people on that, you know, may not have been a part of the golden era, as we like to refer to. Uh, but uh, who have definitely made an impact in the world of professional wrestling. And our guest this week uh, may be short of stature, but he is uh, definitely uh, tall when it comes to having an impact on the WWE and uh, all little people, or as he refers to them as uh, midgets, which he's going to explain when we talk to him. Uh, I'm talking about Dylan Postel. Uh, most remember him as Hornswoggle, and he's going to join us uh, very soon here, but before we get to Dylan, I want to remind everybody, remember you can stay in touch with us uh, via email. Just go to primetimemooney at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. I would uh, want to get your take on like what I just said, inviting other guests who may not necessarily be from the 80s and 90s. And we will, of course, continue to have superstars from that era on. But uh, uh, I really love this conversation that we had with Dylan, and I want to start bringing in more people um, who, you know, have had a, a big impact, but also they remember that period of time that we all love so much. And it's great hearing their reflections. And, and in a lot of cases, uh, the superstars they watched during that era are who influenced them to get into the business. So I think we're going to really have some great conversations coming up. Uh, follow us also on Twitter and Instagram. That's real easy. That's at primetime Mooney. So let's get to it. Let's hear from Hornswoggle. Ding, ding, ding. 
Well, folks, our guest may be short of stature, but he is definitely an individual who had a big impact on the WWE and uh, the world of professional wrestling and also uh, did a, uh, has done a great deal for little people, as uh, they uh, like to refer to themselves. But uh, <laughs> our guest likes to call he, – he says uh, he's a midget. And uh, – and we're going to we're we're going to find out get to um, why that is. But uh, Dylan Postel is joining us today, and most remember him as Hornswoggle. And he joins us for another great conversation here on Prime Time with Sean Mooney. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us. How are you, my friend? John, Sean, I gotta say, uh, we met at Wally Mania for the very yep. first time. Uh, very shortly after we met, I may have had a few vodkas, and uh, so. <laughs> I told you I needed to be on the podcast yeah. and I'm glad it's finally happening because the craziest thing is that I'm being interviewed by the Sean Mooney and it's, oh, uh, no, it's, 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 it's awesome for me being like you were, this is going to be kind of crazy. You were my mean gene. If that makes sense. You, I mean, I was, I'm, I'm young enough. I had mean gene, but you were like the, the interviewer and the, the, uh, the WWF live guy of, of my generation. So this is, this is really cool. I'm glad we can make this work. Well, I'll tell you, you must've been awfully young. Cause I know you weren't even born until 86. So you must've started, uh, becoming a wrestling fan very early on in your life. Uh, but, uh, that's very cool. Very cool to hear. Uh, you mentioned Wallamania and I was thinking about, uh, when we met, and uh, I mean, I really, honestly, when I, when I saw you there and I really wanted to come over and say, hi, and I said, is he going to even, even know who the hell I am? <laughs> you know, and, and really, I'm not kidding you. And then when I, when, you know, I, I went up and introduced myself and uh, you're like, Sean Mooney. And, and I was like, wow, uh, how would he know this? Unless he, you know, watches the WWE network on a regular basis or something, but you must've started watching very young. Is that true? I, yeah. My, uh, my brother got me into it. My brother got me into it when I was young and um, it was off to the races. Literally. I was, I remember the first memory was like when I was four years old or so. The uh, around the the time of uh of Hogan and Warrior squaring wow. off at WrestleMania six, and it it's those were like my earliest memories. And then, so I I kind of laugh because I think it would be like me, Ryder, and Hawkins would be the ones to like completely go crazy about meeting you. Of like thinking about the locker room now, we would be the ones to be like, oh my god, that's that's hey hey Hawkins, that's Sean Mooney, that's <laughs> Sean Mooney over there. This is the greatest thing ever. And that's why, and, and throughout my whole WWE career, it was, it was the three of us like talking wrestling figures or old school wrestling and, and how awesome it was and being wrestling fans throughout. And I've, I'm, I'm still a 32 year old wrestling fan. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, that we have many people like that who, uh, are still very much, uh, you know, professional wrestling fans, but it was a huge part of their childhood. And it's really awesome to, uh, hear, you know, when you, when you do get to meet them, yeah. uh, have them tell you why it is that they were so, uh, into it, why they liked it so much. I know that, um, you were not a Hulk Hogan guy. You loved the ultimate warrior. And, uh, uh you know, it's, it's just so uh, interesting to hear what, you know, why there are certain individuals or like there's certain superstars that just really, uh, you know, attracted somebody and, and really got them into wrestling. And he was the guy for you, right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I recently just came up with 
the thought of so the attitude era had austin or rock you were either right or a rock guy you were a hogan or you're a warrior guy and I, i i truly think if you were a hogan guy you were probably more of a rock guy you know just this character this 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 you get behind him yeah austin was this kind of out of the box figure right at did you know that that came to the scene and was just not the norm yeah rebel. i think i like warrior i truly do because hogan was this usa all the way baby face who could you know say your prayers and eat your vitamins warrior the face paint the music the tassel yeah. every man everything i uh i was a warrior guy i i did not like hulk hogan i don't think <laughs> i was mad i remember my, yeah. my family got a hulk hogan birthday cake one year to change it up for my all every year be ultimate warrior (laughs) hogan one i was kind of disappointed i was like this isn't my guy you're 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 this isn't right (laughs) yeah it's it just it it wasn't it i was never a hogan guy and i was always a warrior guy and uh coolest thing of you know top i would say top five uh, uh moments while i was wwe is meeting ultimate warrior the day he passed at that raw and wow being able i literally walked up to him he did that promo huh. on raw and as he was heading to gorilla i remember as as he was heading there i walked up to him and said hey i just want to introduce myself my name is dylan i uh, and you're the reason that i'm here and you're the reason i'm a professional wrestler and a wrestling fan wow and he brought his wife over and introduced me to his wife and talked about that and i got to kind of say my story to that to her too and like it it was crazy because and then that night he passed away mm. i never thought obviously because it was the the relationship between warrior and the wwe was so tumultuous up until that point that i, I thought I'd, i'll never get to meet yeah. him no right. way and i got to meet him and literally that evening he passed away and it was it was so cool. It was so cool to to meet him and and to just tell him that he's the reason that I'm a professional wrestling fan. Yeah, that is that's a great story. And you know, I like that analogy because you're right. You were either, you know, a rock guy or or you like Stone Cold and it was the same with Warrior fans and Hulk Hogan. Yep. And you know, and I saw that whole the uh, you know uh uh evolvement that that how uh, he evolved as a as a superstar when he first came in. And uh, really, when it just came down, it was just this raw energy. I mean, you could just feel it coming off the guy. Yeah. Totally. He was totally really lost about the world that he had entered. And and it all happened so quickly for him. But, uh, you know, and I remember being in doing these interviews with him. And he, back then, Bill, they didn't have the, the you know, 30 writers that were yep. scribbling away. Everybody came up with their own material. And, and you know it's fun to go back now and you go and look at people have actually transcribed these, uh, promos, these interviews, the, the pr- <laughs> promos that he's cut. Right. And they've, I think there's even a website that just, yeah, has, there is, yeah. You know, or and, the, I, and I, and I remember, about it. Just, yep. yeah, cause people have sent me these, you know, some lines to them. And I thought, you know, I'm going to look up some of these because I was standing there for some of these, you know, but I remember that, you know, he would say some stuff and I'd be looking like, what the what would, what the hell does that mean? But people popped. I mean, people just ate it up. And, and another thing is I, you know, I heard you talking when you, you just mentioned it, but I heard you talking in another interview that, uh, 
about the music. And, you know, um, I'm going to be doing this uh, show at, at StarCast with, with Jim Johnston. I'm and, so, I'm so uh, jealous oh. that I cannot make it that weekend. I'm coming down Thursday. Oh, man. I'm coming down Thursday to hang out. But Friday and Saturday, I'm, I, I have my best friend's wedding that I'm standing up. Oh, and man. Out mainly for, because I, I, I've always wanted to meet Jim Johnson. Yeah. And just to be, just to watch that and, and. That's on Friday or is that on Saturday? That's on Saturday. We're doing it Saturday. Well, the wedding is Saturday, and I will yeah. definitely have my phone in my pocket streaming it all day on <laughs> Fight yeah. TV. It's just, it's going to be great. Yeah. And one of the big, uh, you know, one of the themes, of course, we're going to be talking about is is the warrior. And, um, you know, he talks about, you know, Jim talks about that, that beat that yeah. you hear right from the beginning. And it's just amazing how, you know, all of that worked together to create what the warrior was and uh you know uh, we can get it we could probably talk about themes and stuff but uh when you mentioned the warrior though they, it, it's it's really it's fascinating because he represents to me you know you think about and and for whatever reason people may have liked his gimmick or whatever he did but he is one of those guys that uh really changed the business it, it, it because and as you saw as things progressed that it wasn't uh, these old school generation wrestlers so much anymore. The, you, he, he was one of the first really who came from this outside world and became, uh, you know, a gigantic superstar in the WWF at the time and WWE, of course, but, uh, really. And, and as we talked, as we get back into your story, I remember the conversation that we had when we were, before we got into the vodkas and everything else that night, um, at Wallmania. But I remember one of the first things I said to you, I said, you know, you remind me of uh, like what sens uh, Sensational Sherry and what she, she did with, in the WWF. And you looked at me like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? Yeah. But I, I hope I explained a little better. I don't know if you remember that conversation. But, yes. But I want to share really? it with, with our, our listeners because, um, folks, there are, there are a few people along the way within the WWF and uh, who really – uh, helped to change the the culture of of the WWF. I mean, they had always had women involved in in professional wrestling. You, you know, with Moolah and all these other people. But Sensational Sherry is one of those people that that crossed over. You know, it was like becoming you know uh, from a country music star to becoming a a pop music star. Their their song being heard all over the place. It's kind of an analogy to it. And Sensational Sherry did that with the WWF by uh, becoming basically a superstar herself. She was part of the roster. And what I was trying to tell you is that you did the same thing because really prior to that, and it's, it's not like they didn't have maybe uh, midgets as you like to call them, uh, you know, uh, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but that, that they would come in and, and uh, you know, with the WWF and I remember it when things would start to wane a little bit and they wanted to shake it up a little bit, or they wanted some, you know, comedic, uh, fair to come in, they would bring in the midgets and they would come and perform whatever, but, but you were different. And, and uh, do you understand what I'm talking about? Because you did, you crossed that line. And as you say, you expected they, they first told you, Oh, this might last six months, but you turned it into a, uh, you know, almost a decade. So, did, so is it a little clearer now from, uh, the, from what I was trying to say that yeah. night? And, and of course us having a lot of drinks. So, so it was essentially right now the, the headline of this podcast can be 
Hornswoggle is the Taylor Swift of professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it i like it let's um, go with that so it, it it you know what you told me that and uh yeah. and i didn't get it until i walked away and then i go wow as 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 much as as i keep I, i'm one of those people who who never thinks kind of that way but uh i never and i never thought that way but it's kind of right where my uh i i i'll say my people <laughs> my you know midgets and and little people i hate that term i, yeah. I hate that term so much but midgets it, it it's they were used as like you said as that circus act as that uh that exactly like you said where it's a random okay uh why don't we bring in the midgets call in the midgets like the elephants and the tigers and the <laughs> flying right. chimpanzees and it's the the and it really hit me when you said that is uh i i feel like i did do that because of my longevity and at a lot of the times it was for the the haha and stuff but also it was it was for there was there was longevity to it obviously right. um you know two weeks under 10 years somehow i did that and and there were there were times where it was just comedy and just the one-offs of god damn it we need to I don't know what we're gonna do. Do have have Hornswoggle do it, right? You know, but it, but also, there was so many storylines yeah. that I was a part of that the little Tokyos and little Beavers and the Haiti kids weren't ever involved in. I mean, the biggest thing you remember from from midgets before before me probably were Max Mini, and if not if not him even were yeah. the WrestleMania thing with Hillbilly Jim and Bundy. Yeah. And that's that's I, I I hate putting myself on on their level, but it's 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 I, I truly it's crazy to think just how much I did, and I was I was just my son of all people bringing up brings it up like oh you did I just watched you on you know on the network doing this yeah okay he goes and then it's either that was really funny or that wasn't very good dad that wasn't very good dad yeah. <laughs> Well, and that, and the, uh, as you said right there, and we both know, I mean, I know that they have figured it out or somebody has done a study, but, uh, the life of any superstar in the WWE is not real long. I don't even know if it's, if it's two I remember, years. I, before. I heard two, like uh, a couple of years ago is the average is three to five years. Well, that I would, that's a lot more than I even thought, but it's, that, it's yeah, I was going to say, so for of any proud accomplishment, just even if no matter uh, who you are to last almost 10 years there. And then also, as you mentioned, you know, uh, being a, a midget in, in a world like that and being a regular part of the storylines is something you have to be incredibly proud of because like I said, just to even last in that company for a couple of years is a major accomplishment. Guys build careers off that. You know, if you were in the big show, you've got, uh, pretty much an independent career for life, but you were you were you were a superstar. You were part of the roster. When and I that's, that's incredible. I, I I constantly say I should have never made it, and I should <laughs> never have made it. Period, because mm. I'm the you know of my stature, and I'm not a six foot three hundred pound guy. But I should have never made it. Definitely, as long as I did, but I somehow stayed under the radar, or somehow did something okay. <laughs> to 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 last as long as I did, and it's it just that 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 whole thing is kind of crazy to me. And yeah. 
John, I mean, I, I still remember John Laurinaitis when he called me. This, this is probably a six-month gig, Dylan. Yeah, and, wow. Great, awesome, that's fine, because I'll go back to working at Target in six months and live a normal life. Yeah, well, and uh, and I want to get back to this uh, before we get too far into uh, our discussion, is that uh, you, you say you like to be called, you'd rather be called a midget than a little person. And I know, you know, the LPA uh, or the organization, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm they sure. want to be... What? Yeah, after, after all these interviews, I'm sure, like, I've, uh, every time I do an interview, I say I'm a midget wrestler, not a little person. And I'm sure I'm, my dad, I remember, like, kind of a cool thing for me, my dad bought me a lifetime membership for, uh, to be a part of Little People of America, which is pretty cool, like, when you're a kid growing up, that I could go to all the conventions and all this and all that and be be welcomed. But I'm sure the more interviews I do, the more they're, <laughs> I was gonna the, say if they... the more they're kind of looking down and, and canceling my membership. Yeah, like, they're... It's they true. disowned you. Yeah, it's it's when you put. I, I said it years ago. If I were to put dwarf wrestling or little person wrestling on a poster, mm-hmm. on a wrestling poster, on a marquee, people wouldn't know what the hell that is. But you put midget wrestling, and they know exactly what it is. And now it like now, it's kind of fun for me to. Be put on a poster as, and this is this is where I, I have that, you know, as, as an independent wrestler now, I have that weird mindset of I need that indie cred, you know, I I need right. to be I need to be an independent wrestler. I can't just be a, a former WWE guy, um, where they they see me on a poster and they think, okay, he's gonna bite an ass and yeah. do some ha ha and probably yeah. juggle a little bit. That's like, off the second rope. Yeah, and, and I yeah. want to, but now it's like I want to work and I want to kind of go above and beyond the midget wrestling stigma. I'm not going to do these ref these ref toss spots and this, yeah. and it just it's fun for me. And it's, yeah. it's I'm a midget wrestler. I'm I'm but I'm also I'm also more than I, I try to be more than that. I guess. Yeah. Well, and you uh, had a pretty average life uh i mean i i i know your father is one who's close to you and yep. uh I, I i assume that both your parents were average sized yeah both my parents were yeah. average i mean I, people we can we could talk about the science of this but it happened happens to do with uh you know genes and how it happens we, but we traced it back we traced it back generations and there's never been another uh little person in my family ever yeah. ever and it's it's my, I mean, my brother was six foot. My parents are pretty tall and average height, and it's just, I was, uh, I was the the runt of the litter. So, <laughs> and but it it never affected me. I never, I never, I never let it. I was, I was that that. I never let it get to me. I uh, my back surgery. I think, I think the biggest thing was when I was when I was five or six. My back surgeries. Uh, I had a major back surgery that paralyzed me, and the doctor said, uh, "You'll you can no trampolines and no contact sports from here on out." And I was wow. going into third grade, and I uh, I I thought, okay, this this sucks. I can't I can't be a professional wrestler. I shouldn't be, but I'm gonna do it anyways. I'm gonna do it, and I don't care. And so I played contact sports with the rest of the kids, and I'm sure my dad. My dad has worried about it ever since, like ever, ever since that surgery. He's, he's, I remember the first my, WrestleMania 23, when I took that big bump from Kennedy in the ladder match. Yeah. Oh God. I th- 
people thought you were dead, that he killed you. I, I remember <laughs> texting him and saying, please order this tonight because I need you to see my moment. Yeah. And he goes, he immediately texted me, are you okay? Mm-hmm. That was scary. Yeah. And it was, I was fine. And it, it's one of those, he's always worried about me. He still does. He, and it's, it's because le- legitimately, and it's, it's, you know, probably sounds so cliche, but one wrong thing to my back and I'll be paralyzed again for the rest of my life. Wow. Um, there's fusion in a rod, in my back and, and it's, it's just, yeah, but I, I don't care. I don't care. Cause this is all I want to do in my life. This is all I know, and it's all I I know. I know this, and being a dad, and that's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that is, and it's pretty common. I mean, people with uh, chondroplasia, um, they have a lot. Of, they do have issues. It's not just uh, you know. Yeah. It happens a lot that they they have to because of the way their body is formed. Yeah, and I yeah, guess you had of, scoliosis really bad, and that what that what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Scoliosis uh, was real bad, yeah. and the first doctor. Um, you know, obviously the Wisconsin hospital system <laughs> isn't like the New York, you know, these, these isn't this big hospital system, like in the bigger cities. Yeah. Um, so the first cock, the first doctor cut me open and he, uh, he literally said, hit a, he hit a nerve and paralyzed me and stitched me up and goes, I don't, I don't know how, what to do here. Oh God. And, uh, actually the craziest part is years later, five, five, four or five years later, I had a, a, a tumor in my ear and the doctor cut me open and literally did the same thing. He hit an artery and goes, oh no. And he stitched me up and said, I don't know what to do here <laughs> because our, our, I guess, I guess our bodies are so incredibly different and it's, it's, I mean, I get it, but my parents back then didn't care about lawsuits like they would nowadays. You know, nowadays mm-hmm. my family would be millionaires, but we, <laughs> they, that, and that's, and that's kind of the cool thing about where, my family then cared about getting getting me treated and getting me better rather than a lawsuit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they just wanted me healthy. Yeah. Well, you know, another thing is that and it's, you know, odd to say, I guess, but you, you, you grew up with a, uh, as a pretty much average American kid, your parents yeah. split up, uh, you, you know, your, your mother was gone. And I mean, that's happened to a lot of children. Uh, but it seems as though your dad, um, cause I was one of those kids too, but it seems as though your dad, uh, treated you like just, you know, you're, you're just my kid. And, and it seemed like the people around you, I think he was got remarried and you had a couple of stepbrothers. Yeah. Uh, so was, and, and even, I think you mentioned even at school, you were just another kid. And, and is that what, uh, helped, uh, you know, form your, 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 your self-esteem and your, your, uh, drive to, to want to succeed? I mean, what was it? I, I don't know if it formed my drive, but it, all, it, it formed my mindset of I'm just a normal person. I'm never, I don't think I've ever said I can't do that because I'm a midget. No, no, no. I I can't do this chore on the house because I'm a midget. No, because my dad would say, okay, grab a stool, kid, and do this. Like, you can do this. He he never treated me. He The, the, the biggest thing was, I would ask him, I said, all right, like, I remember one time asking him, why am I this way? And you were just born this way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not religious at all, but God made you this way. Perfect. Yeah. That's literally all I would say whenever someone said, you know, I'm 10 years old and I'm three foot 
six. And he goes, and, you know, kid, other kids, why, why are you so small? I'm just this way. I never would say I'm a dwarf or a little person or a midget. I, I'm just this way. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't view myself as anything other than that. I didn't yeah. view myself as something different. Um, even when I, later in life, as through wrestling, I never viewed myself that way. And it's just, I, I, I think it was an upbringing and it was, it was, I, I, you know, you have some of these parents and that treat their, you know, their, their son, their, their, their children might have a deficiency and they, they baby them at times and uh, almost and make them feel different. Yeah. It's their fault. It's not the kid's fault for having the deficiency. I don't feel, I feel it's the parent's fault for making the kid feel like they're deficient and they're handicapped and that kind of thing. I feel like it's more on the parents than it is on the kid. You make your kid feel like a normal child. He's going to be a normal child in his mind. Yeah. And what about, what about the community that you grew up in? I mean, uh, I'm not real familiar. I was at Oshkosh that you grew up in and, and it sounds like it was a, a, a pretty uh, great place to grow up because uh, you mentioned that people treated you just like anybody I'm, else. I'm a normal human being. I'm, I'm, I'm truly am. I, I've lived here literally my whole life and uh-huh. people like are blown away that I've lived in Oshkosh, Wisconsin my whole life. <laughs> but this is, this is home. I, I bought my grandpa's house. I literally live in my grandfather's house. He put it on the market and he goes, either you buy it or someone else's. And I said, I don't want someone living in your house. So I'm buying it. And I live here and I've raised my son here. I've raised my, my son goes to the same elementary school that I did. And it's, I take him oh, when I take him to cool. school, first day of school every year, I walk the halls with him and I tell him stories about that. I ran my company, uh, which we'll talk about later. Uh, we ran a, a benefit show at our high school that I went to and we walked the halls and just, it's, it's just one of those things where this is home to me. Yeah. This is, no other I, i've been around the world so many times but this is home no one no other place feels like home that's cool and, uh, and we will get uh, to talking about landon because i know he's a, a huge part of your life uh yeah. but getting back to, to growing up and i want to talk about this love for wrestling i mean yeah. uh it went beyond that for you because uh and i don't know how early on you started thinking you know i i, I want to do that and um were you influenced by because did you see that you know there were other uh, midget wrestlers around that that had uh, had a lot pretty famous, you know, uh, like Skylo Low and Little Beaver and these guys. Or did you always say, you know, I want to be just like those the other superstars? I want to be doing what they're doing in the ring. I uh, so Mr. Kennedy, Ken Anderson trained me, and uh-huh. I remember walking in the first day of of, of we were going to start training, and I said, I don't want to be a midget wrestler. I want to be Rey Mysterio. I want to be Jeff Hardy. I want to be Uh X-Pac. Don't want to be midget wrestlers because I don't want to get through. I don't want to. And it's kind of funny where I, I, you know, the first day of training, I said, I don't want to bite an ass. But now when I work independent shows, I have a t-shirt that says, I bit your, I just bit your ass. Like, (laughs) is that on wrestlingtees.com yet? Wrestlingtees.com slash blog. Well, of course it is. (laughs) But it's, it's, it, uh. And I think that's, again, going back to my upbringing of I didn't view myself as a midget. Uh I didn't. And I don't think it was a and maybe psychologically, if, you know, we go back and I see a a psychiatrist and they said, oh, because you were you're ashamed. No, 
I don't think it was because I was ashamed of being a little person. I just think I didn't want that stigma. Almost it was too easy. It was too easy to do that. So I didn't want to do that as, you know, as I started training. Well, and it sounded like you didn't feel like you had to just get in line and do what everybody else did. And, and, yeah. and why not? It would be, I don't know. It, it, it all goes back to the, uh, you know, if I, if I use this crutch of dwarfism, it would just, you know, throughout life, that'd be really easy for me. And I didn't want to do that. Now, I know you had these backyard shows that uh, oh, are, are legendary. I mean, I think that you had, sometimes you had hundreds of people back. In, I don't know who, if it was your backyard or somebody's backyard, but it, it didn't sound like you had a, a lot of training. It's amazing. Well, tell me about those shows, first of all, because it sounds I, like it was pretty crazy. It was no training. We, <laughs> we, we, I, we started on a buddy of back, my backyard in Oshkosh. We uh. heard about the group in Appleton, Wisconsin, which is actually even, even just a tad bigger than Oshkosh. Mm-hmm. And we grew, we started up with them mm-hmm. and, uh, we became like, it was this big thing where we had three or four shows that two to 300 people in a backyard oh. in, my, in a guy's parents' backyard with a, <laughs> what we thought was a real ring made of, but it was a, a legit ring instead of metal. It was made of wood and mm-hmm. it was, it was awesome, but no, we didn't get, none of us were trained. None of it was, it was us seeing what we, what we saw on TV and mimicking it and, and just doing stupid things. Cause we were kids. I was a 16 year old kid having a wrestling match in front of 300 people. It's just, it's insane to think back at that. And it, it it's, but it's, it's what you know, kind of molded me and mm-hmm. just, I guess it, it fed it fed the the love of wrestling and the the love of wrestling that I had at that point. Yeah, well, uh, and I think that that did you get that did get you noticed. Yeah, uh, there was, but there what was, was the break? What was the break to where you started to make that transition to be a professional? A local promoter heard about our backyard fed. A local independent promoter heard about our our uh, backyard fed. Yeah. Um, what was it called? What'd you call it? Our backyard fed was. FVWA, the Fox Valley Wrestling Alliance. And they heard about us and uh, Jason Jerry with ACW, uh, NWA ACW Wisconsin out of Green Bay, then proceeded to kind of put it out there. He showed up to a show, like our biggest show, which had 300 some people showed up and thought, okay, we're going to see if a few of these guys want to get trained. And me and a couple of my good friends started training mm. uh, independently under Ken Anderson and a couple other local guys, and we uh, we started it. And that was our that was our thing. We train whenever they they didn't have a regular school, but whenever they had a, a independent show, we'd go early and train that day. That's amazing because what at this point you're what about eighteen? I was I was no seven seven seven. Wow, and and within uh, a couple of years. You're in the WWE. That that just doesn't happen to anybody. And it was so. within, it was just over two years I was in WWE, and it's uh, I I often say I have a lot of my career to uh, to thank Ken Anderson for. Um, Did he have connections? Is that yeah, what it, he would. He was, He trained. He was one of the uh, main trainers that trained us, and then he got hired by WWE, 
and they were looking for a midget for Finley. And he said, I got the guy. And because the, they were trying out a few guys. Um, and, he, and they go, oh, okay. They brought me in to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And I did a, uh, a practice promo with Finley backstage, a pre-tape. Right. I botched it horribly because I can't do an Irish accent at all to save my life. How can you not do an Irish accent, son? Because I, that's so easy. How could you not? I, I don't know if you saw Leprechaun Origins, but I didn't have <laughs> any lines because of it. <laughs> um, really? That was it? They, they, I mean, they wanted you to have an Irish role. They really said, hey, can you have an Irish accent? Yeah. And I, uh, I couldn't do it. And I remember, so I just did a regular promo. And I said, how, how did it go? And Fit goes, eh, it wasn't yeah. the best. <laughs> and I go, oh, this is it. I'm never going to hear from him again. But hey, I got to hang out backstage at WWE. Again, something I should have never done in my life. Um, Did they put you in the ring at all or it was just a promo no, thing? Just a promo. So then I left and what I heard was that the, that week, Ken goes, hey, I know he didn't do very well. I heard, but he's the guy. He's a great kid. He's, because I was still was a kid. I was 19 years old. He's a great kid. He can bump. He can work. And he's a really, really good-hearted person. And uh, so they, Tommy Dreamer called me two weeks later and offered me a contract. Wow. Well, folks, uh, I want to talk a lot more about uh, this, uh, this skyrocket to fame here for uh, Dylan Postel. But uh, we're going to take a quick time out here. And, uh, Dylan, are you happy with your mobile service? It costs too goddamn much. It, it's just incredible. Well, you know what? Uh, you know now you have to lease the phone when you get the thing, and not only pay for service, but on top of it all, you got to pay for that data that they want you to, you know, have for the phone if you want to get on uh, the li- online or anything like that. Well, guess what? You don't have to do that anymore, folks. I'm telling you, you may have never heard of Ting Mobile, but you're going to be hearing a lot more about it. It is seriously the best mobile you've never never heard of. And here's why that is going to change very soon. Ting does mobile phone service differently. You only pay for what you use. There are no startup fees, no contracts, no plans. You just hear what I said? There are no startup fees, no contracts, and no plans. And this blew me away. Now, I talked to uh, one of the representatives with Ting, and he told me that the average bill for Ting is $23 per phone per month. Can you believe that? And, you know, what else is an absolute must? you got to have good coverage, right? Well, Ting has got uh, nationwide LTE coverage, and that means that you'll have great network coverage from coast to coast, and it gets even better. Uh, When you make the switch, almost any phone that you have uh, from that Motorola Razr, if you still have that, really, or that uh, latest Galaxy S9 or an iPhone, well, uh, if you need a phone, you can get one from them. Uh, they'll They'll hook you up, but if you already have a phone, it's going to work with Ting. So, seriously. What are you waiting for? Check out Ting Mobile. And because you are a loyal listener of Primetime with Sean Mooney, all you have to do is go to primetime.ting.com. That's primetime.ting.com. Sign up, and then you will have a choice of either getting $25 off your first bill or $25 off a new phone in the Ting shop if you don't already have a phone, like I said. So all you got to do is go to primetime.ting.com. All right. Sounds good, doesn't it, Dylan? I, I yeah. I, uh, I think you were writing it down right there. It's a uh, yeah. ting mobile. All right, let's get back to uh, this uh, 
meteoric rise uh, in a professional career that, that you started uh, within two years of training, you're in the WWE. Uh, I can't even imagine as a kid, you must've just, cause that's what you were and really had, didn't, had not been around this world of professional wrestling. What in the world was it like for you to walk into that world? <laughs> Crazy. Uh, yeah. probably one of the coolest, one of the, one of the, one of the, uh, maybe not coolest for the guys involved, but funniest <laughs> stories of me from me was, uh, after my original tryout in Milwaukee, they were, had SmackDown in Green Bay the next day and so i asked if i could go there yep great yep come on out and i broke the biggest like cardinal rule as an extra and just started i first off i brought my girlfriend backstage at the time uh and not only that i was taking photos with all the boys backstage as well (laughs) something that's like strictly frowned upon obviously but again in my mind i would never get back there so i'm gonna do this while i can well, and you don't know, right? Nobody said, "Hey, yeah. you can't do this, you can't do that." Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Jimmy, uh, one of the, one of the security guards, Jimmy Tillis, specifically said to me three times, hey, <laughs> "That's enough. That's enough." And my last picture that I needed to get that day was with Ray Mysterio. Oh, and who does Ray ask to take the photo? Jimmy Tillis. Oh, so, unknowing oh. that he already told me this three, you know, two different times, it was. Uh, but I got my pictures and. Because, again, in my mind, I would never see these guys again in my life. Um, but it's, it's man, I, uh, I debuted on TV three days before my 20th birthday. And then, you know, I got, I was on television for two weeks. And then I get the call from our buddy Howard Finkel, who said, uh, Dylan, you will be joining the, the live event team with SmackDown. Okay, great. What does that mean? Well, I'm gonna be. That means I'm gonna be on every non-televised TV taping or t- uh, non-televised show mm-hmm. all over the world and all the tours and all that with Finley. So now, it's it's just I'm thrown right into everything, which is great. But it was so like, it blew my mind. Three, a, a month into working for WWE, I went to the Philippines. I never, I didn't know where the Philippines were. I never even dreamed about going there. So like it, it was just crazy. The, the everything for, yeah. for a 20 year old kid was just unreal. Well, uh, Dylan, uh, I don't know if you have an ounce of Irish blood in you, but boy, it sounds like you have the luck of the Irish because, uh, not only from what the story you've told us so far, but then you get, uh, you get hooked up with, uh, fit Finley who, uh, is a you know he has a reputation for being a tough guy, not a patient guy with some you know with people that uh, aren't uh, you know going to respect the business. But yeah. he took uh, incredible care of you, and I know you developed a, a great relationship with him. I always say I have three dads in this world. Yeah. I have my 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 dad, dad, my real dad. I have Tommy Dreamer, who is my debauchery dad, <laughs> and I have uh, which I'd love to hear some stories. Oh. Oof. Uh, that'll be in the next Wally me. <laughs> <laughs> but then I have uh, Fit Finley, who's who's my true wrestling dad, and he, I couldn't have been more lucky to be paired with him. Um, he took care of me. He took me under his wing. He, he, uh, I, I truly feel like I didn't get the hazing because at that time, a lot from hazing was pretty high. And I feel like I didn't get that hazing because I was paired with him and because I think people felt like, all right, if I mess with him, I'm going to have to deal with fit. 
Yeah. And I don't, do, I don't want to do yeah. that. You don't want to do that. Um, and he, he, I mean, he, to this day, we have a, I call him dad and he calls me son. I'll, I text him on father's day. Happy father's day. And, uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't be more, more, you know, grateful that I was paired with him. But, but why, uh, you know, uh, why did he do that for you? What was, know. what, what do you think it know. was? I truly don't know. Um, I was never one of those at that point to, to cross anybody. And I was just, I was a 20 year old kid going along for the ride mm-hmm. and having fun and, and doing all I could to make the whole, the whole combination work as, as well as I could. And it's, it just, it something clicked with us. And I, I truly, it's, I saw it when I went to Saudi Arabia for the greatest Royal Rumble, the mm-hmm. minute we saw each other, it was, it literally felt so good because I haven't seen him in a couple of years and it felt so good to see him. Uh-huh. And it felt like I haven't seen my, like a, a parent. I haven't seen a parent in two years and uh-huh. it just, it was great. How, how green were you? Um, I know you, you'd bounced around in a backyard ring and probably I, I'm sure you'd done some training and, but this is a whole different level. Oh uh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I bet you, I mean, I had a year and a half on the independence, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I don't know. Maybe I don't even know how many matches. I mean, I had a decent amount, but nothing like the the independence. Now this is Wisconsin independent wrestling. It ain't it ain't exactly the the hotbed that I, that I'm trying to make it be now. But it's uh, it just I didn't. I I think that's another thing that maybe helped me is I. It was such a such a pardon my French, but a mind fuck. Yeah. Of going from this this Wisconsin independence and normal Wisconsin life to traveling with WWE that I was so almost like blown away by everything that I didn't mess up because I was just taking everything in. So, uh, you know, here you, you're in the ring with these guys, these superstars that I'm sure you'd been watching for years, uh, and, and, you know, having to perform with them, how long did it take you before you started to feel like, okay, I can hang with them. I can, I can do what needs to be done and do it at a, you know, elite level. I, I mean, I still don't feel that way. <laughs> still don't, but I know I you're going to say that. I still don't feel like I can do it at an elite level. Um, but I, uh, I mean, the first people that we were working with were, you know, kind of, it was like Batista and Undertaker and Kane. If you're not going to be comfortable real fast, you, you bet, you know, if you're not gonna be comfortable right away, you better be coming really fast because it's, it's. Otherwise, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna chew you up and spit you out. They're not gonna, they're not gonna take, they're not gonna they're not gonna take lightly to that. It's, they're gonna take advantage. You know, them two wouldn't, but the locker room would. And so I kind of knew that too. Like, in my mind, I thought I was gonna be hazed and I thought I was gonna be taken advantage of, but I wasn't. So it was one of those things where, okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to do exactly what's asked of me and try not to fuck up. And what were those first matches like though? Do you vividly still remember those? Any of them? Oh yeah. I, I, I remember, I I just, just literally talking matches out with Finley when he was involved with Batista and Undertaker and all that. And, uh, and just, Oh my gosh. Being a part of that is crazy. It's just, it's, 
it blows my mind all the time. Yeah, when you think about some of these guys you work with, you know, Chavo and or, or the, uh, Guerrero and, uh, you know, uh, the guys that were there. I mean, we'll get into talking about Sean and, and uh, Stone Cold and all these guys that you had the chance in Triple yeah. H. But, uh, you know, was it these, you know, being on the road? And I know that this you have some other great stories about that. But I, initially, when you're on the road, uh, who you're traveling with, and what did doing those house shows do for you? I, it made me see a different side of everything, a much more kind of relaxed and fun side. Finley and I, we would, I always, I kind of tell a story of, you know, especially when we were, when we were baby faces, when we, you know, when we turned baby face, we'd go on the ring on the ropes and do the what I call the Titanic pose, where I'd go on the middle rope and he'd go on the bottom and our our outstretched arms. And then every time he would have the shillelagh in his hand, mm-hmm. and as he was getting, as we outstretched our arms, he would bop me on the head with it every night <laughs> until like I would just, I would be batting the hand down with it, yeah. and he would outstretch my arm and force me, and then he just, he'd hit, he'd get, he'd catch me every night, uh-huh. and it was just, it was stuff like that. And um, the ring announcer Tony Chimmel, I would mess with so much on a nightly basis. I would be under the ring, and the microphone would be right by the ring bell. And he'd go and take jackets because he does. Tony Chimmel does literally everything ever asked of him. He's done everything from referee to yeah. bringing jackets to he's the production office, uh, head of ring crew, refing, refereeing. He's taken bumps from the Dudley boys through tables and thrown into caskets. But he he would be taking the jackets to the back, and I would grab the ring the the uh, microphone cord and pull it underneath the ring. So then when he would get back to his seat, there would be no microphone, and he <laughs> just panicked. Like, what is he going to do now at the end of the uh, match? Start yelling. Yeah, <laughs> I would that, or I would take his wrench, or Bookman would be out, and he would, the worms would be underneath the ring, and I would take him and throw him at Tony at Schimmel from underneath the ring. Stuff like that, that these house shows and live events, you realize you can have a little more fun with, and it's not so, you're not so stressed out about them. Yeah. And, uh, a, a great classroom is on the road when you're traveling between these towns. And, uh, I think I heard you mention that your, I think your first, uh, ride, uh, that the guys you, you rode around with was Kali, uh, <laughs> who was in that card? I mean, it was, uh, very first car. strange collection. Yes. It was me, Kyle, the great Kali, yeah. Sean, uh, Sean Davari and Mark Henry. <laughs> Just because uh, Howard Finkel knew that I knew Sean Davari from the Independence, from the Midwest Independence, okay. and so he thought, okay, that'd be perfect. Man, I got on the road, and I, the looks we would get, I would hold like a, uh, just a story I always like to tell is I would I would hold Kali's pinky. We'd walk into a restaurant and I'd hold his pinky, and <laughs> Kali would, that's my son, that's my son today. <laughs> and I just, just, just we got pulled over, and just to see the look on the eye of, from the from the officer. Yeah. Have like cop look at it and they're going, what? Blown away. He literally took him yeah. about two minutes before I said, okay, guys, just just keep going. You're you're okay. Just keep going. Did they at least get you a large vehicle? Because I can't imagine. Uh, we would have, yeah, we would have a we would have a big van or a big SUV every yeah. week. Yeah. Great. Well, that was probably an advantage of having the great Kali with you. You had to have something Always to put in it. Which I don't I don't need the leg room, but the rest of the guys. Do. <laughs> right, uh, but uh, when when things really started to to uh, you know, it seems like that being with fit was, was really to train you, um, to, to, you know, have somebody there 
Uh, and, and it was only supposed to last for six months. So what what happened? That was it just a, a series of events that kept taking place, or do you think that they started to see a reaction from the crowd? What do you think allowed you to continue I, to stay there? I truly don't know because we didn't really. I mean, we didn't turn babyface for quite a while. Um, yeah, you were this I, little nasty. Yeah, and then I slowly, and then I slowly turned. Yeah, and slowly turned with me. And it's just, I don't know. I truly don't know what happened. Um, well, I mean, I think people started to realize um, early on the reaction you were getting from the crowd. And it was that, that well, I, I'm absolutely children, but people like that character. And, uh, you know, so that's probably part of it, even keeping you around, but also <laughs> saying we can't like, keep him. <laughs> as, as it, uh, it, it's. I have very, I had a very. I remember Finley. Finley one day said, uh, "They're they're starting to like you a lot." And I go, <laughs> "Who?" I'm thinking, hoping he was talking about the office, but he, <laughs> the kids, kids are really liking you a lot. I go, oh, "Okay, thank you." Like I, I don't. What do you say to that? But you didn't. <laughs> you didn't feel that reaction though. I mean, when you go out, the kids are all coming to the the barrier. And... I don't ever like to think that way. Like, oh, I got to Hey, fit. I'm over. A pop I got last night. No, no. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but I'm just, just saying that. I'm saying that in a sense that did you did you sense the reaction that you were that you were getting? I, I guess I, it was always surprising to me. It was always like a, oh, okay, kind of like the oh, they like me. They they really like me kind of thing. Mm. Um, I know, but to answer your question, no, I didn't. I didn't sense it for myself. I didn't until he brought it up. <laughs> wow. Uh, so that sounds like though it was a great experience and I don't think you could have had anybody better with you no. uh, for that entrance. I mean, you, I don't know if you ever think about what would have happened if you didn't have a uh, Finley uh, taking, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been there as long. I know for a fact, um, how many times you went to bat for me after that, um, during that, I, I know for a fact, I wouldn't have been around as long as I was if I wasn't with him. Yeah. Uh, and, and things just seem to happen one after another. Um, this whole thing with, uh, you being the, uh, the bastard child of, of Vince McMahon, how uh, did you, you must've thought when that idea first came to you, uh, or they came to you, you were, must've thought it was a rip. Bruce Pritchard, our, our good friend, Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. Uh, he was the one who was in green Bay. Um, I'll never forget it. He goes. I, I was. They had a rehearsal, and everyone was going to be around the ring, and we were going to go. Oh, everyone was going to go over, kind of that promo and all that. Yeah. And uh, he goes, "Hey, give me your phone." And I go, "Excuse me." He goes, "Give me your phone right now." I go, "No." He goes, <laughs> "Dylan, you will want to give me your phone, please." I go, all right. I give him my phone. He puts it in his pocket. He goes, "You'll have this after the show." I go, no, why? He goes, you're the son. I go, what? And then he goes, you're the son. <laughs> I, go, I go, no, I'm pretty sure it's Kennedy. He goes, nope, it's you. And I, wow. just go, and I said, this will be fun. <laughs> he, yeah. goes, <laughs> he goes, well, you think so? I go, yeah. yeah okay. I said, uh, and I asked Bruce, and I again, I kind of a cool thing. I said, hey, can I, can I text one person? And he goes, uh, okay. I go, I want to text my dad. Can I please leave tickets for him to be here tonight? He goes, of course. And I said, you can watch me text him. And all I texted my dad was, hey, doing something pretty cool tonight. Could you please be here? And uh, 
he brought my grandpa, who was my biggest fan, biggest fan ever. Oh and man! I left them two tickets, and they uh, they came that night. You know, you think about when they were cooking up this this angle, and of course, it had been in the works, I'm sure. And I could just see uh, someone like you know, like Pat Patterson saying, "Oh, Papa, you oh, you can wait. This is going to be fantastic." You know, I mean, just when they yeah. when they put 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 that idea in there, because nobody else would have made that work. Uh, it had to be something shocking. It had to be something that, you know, Vince couldn't stand learning. I'm pretty uh, pretty sure it was still to this day. I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be Kennedy. Um, yeah. really am. Uh, but I, I, uh, I'm glad I'm very, 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 yeah. very glad it was me <laughs> again, again, the luck of the Irish, luck of the Irish, man, luck of the fake, <laughs> luck of the Polish and German brother. <laughs> yeah. You got to work on that Irish, uh, that Irish brogue. Son. I've, I've gotten along, along this far without it. I'm, I'm yeah. yeah, at least, you got <laughs> but what was that? What was that whole experience? Like I actually watched the whole, uh, reveal again yeah. today with, San, just, with sandman staying in the ring until he yeah. could, until they had to until they had to ask him to leave because yeah. he goes ah i was a champion in ecw yeah so like okay uh, um it was you know it was the coolest thing ever um again i'm a six-year-old wrestling fan at heart mm-hmm. going being in the ring with Vince McMahon every week, sometimes twice a week on you know Raw and SmackDown. And the thing I always kind of regret, the one thing I regret about that whole thing was I didn't really like, I was so intimidated to really like ask him anything about like business stuff or past stuff. Like, hey, what was this like? Or hey, what, can you tell me about this? I was so intimidated that I never really asked him anything. And TV days are so crazy as is. But we had downtime of just chatting, and or I could have, but I never did, and that's the one thing I kind of regret. Um, but as a whole, man, that was that was that was the the I think I truly feel that was the highest point in my career. Yeah, well, and, that little thing with the Degeneration X was pretty good too. That but little we, thing we'll with get D- to that. you know that those <laughs> those two young boys DX yeah. that's okay yeah. too, but. <laughs> But, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how, uh, you talk about intimidated and, and you know what a perfectionist Vince McMahon is. I, how did you even perform and did it take a few of those matches? Uh, or did you just say, you know, I'm just going to go with it. I mean, it didn't, uh, how did you handle that initially? I think I just kind of went with it and just kind of thought, all right, if there's one per like, I'm not gonna. I'm not. If I mess up in front of him, it's the worst person to mess up in front of. But I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna. There's there's no do-overs when it's when it's raw and it's live. Yeah, yeah. But People don't understand uh, that. Just the. And I I just remember the pay-per-views. You know, yeah. live pay-per-views, and and you really do have to put your. I would just put myself in a mindset that it's just another show, Mooney, and just get out there. I. Um, the the backstages Vince always loved to do them live too. Yeah, yeah. Gave me like less chance of messing up, I guess. Because <laughs> if I knew if I did mess up, it was only the one take that we you know we only have that one shot. So I couldn't I couldn't I had to do my best to not mess up. And it's just, I think the biggest thing too was when uh there was a thing with Finley and Vince you know later in the in the in the program where. Finley was going to hit Vince with a shillelagh 
and Vince told him, all right, fit, hit me with it. Hit me with a tough guy out there, all right? And he lobbed in. him so hard. <laughs> lost, he he had a knot on his head. And we got back. We got to the back, and Vince, ha, ha, that was great. <laughs> Sick. And it was. It was like it was. It was. He loved it because yeah. it looked great on television, and he just. It was great, and and it was. It was. The crazy thing is, is I have a pinfall victory over Vince McMahon on, on <laughs> you know, and and I think I did research and Stone Cold. If he has one, if he has any, it's like one, and yeah. I have. Like I'm one of the few people that has one over Stone over Vince. McMahon. Yeah, well, see, uh, you and you and Vince, uh, you and Vince, and uh, I mean, Stone Cold have a lot in common when it comes to that. But, <laughs> but. we, sent, you know, I, I I think he made a bit more than he, me in the long run, but we have we pretty much have the same career. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was awesome, and and um, you know, because most people who've been around Vince, they see backstage, you see him in bits. I mean, he's you know, he's in his office, is it? But. Uh, how did you work out these matches? Because I, I can't imagine him being there, standing in the ring or whatever, saying, "Can then we're going to do this, we're going to do that, do that. I mean, it was, was it kind of like just go with it, or did he take the time? No, he uh, took the time. He always took the time. And uh, Fit, Fit would be the agent of a lot of them, obviously, because he was yeah. going to be right there anyways. And right. it was, I I said nothing. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I just literally stood back and, Whatever they, all right, I'll do that. Yep, okay, I'll do that. Whatever you want me to do, I'm there. And I, everything was just, again, but again, I, I wish I would have, I wish I would have, you know, taken the, the chance of, uh, you know, asking things or giving input more at that point, because who knows. But well, what would uh, what would been have been a, a couple of the questions? Like when you you think about, it, boy, I wish I would have asked him this. What would you, what if you would have had that opportunity? I, uh, I you're in a car with him. He's driving a zillion miles an hour. You think you're this could be your last ride in a car because he's going to kill us. Uh, what would you ask him? Oh, if I if I were like like the one time I would ever ride. I was on a plane. I was on the the jet with him once. It was they were going like from overseas back to the states, and it was a bunch of us and. I remember all I wanted to ask him about was Warrior, but I was like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that at all because that's, I know that relationship isn't there. But that was all I wanted to ask him about was just how it all ended and, and what happened and how was he as a, as a person. And But I knew I couldn't, obviously, because of that relationship. Hey, might have surprised you. I still would never want to take that chance. Take that chance. <laughs> Uh, I always wonder what you, because you've mentioned that, yeah. uh, you know, just what it, you would ask him I, about the business or. I don't know. I literally don't know, but I just wish I would have, would have. Taken the time. Yeah. Uh, that, so that you have all kinds of fun doing that. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know if you're thinking at this time, okay, well, now what? Well, I mean, what happens with me at this point? And there was a uh, lot of, a lot of, a lot of roller coaster moments where the highs were really, really high and the lows were a lot of. Okay, now I'm gonna be released any second now. What you know? What does that do to? Uh, and God, this is a period of almost ten years. Yeah. And people also, you know, it's it's folks. I mean, it's tremendous to be a part of this machine, to be uh, in the WWE. But at the same time, uh, there's a lot of stress and anxiety. You're competing with, uh, you know, at any given point, the roster, and especially the way it is now. 
but you, you know, you're talking under a hundred uh, people that have the great fortune to have these positions, but people go in and out all the time. So it's a, it's, it is a roller coaster, right? I mean, the, the stress is, is, is uh, pretty incredible. And now you're, and, and not only that, but you're a midget trying to incorporate yourself in storylines in a big man world. And it's just, that's the hard part. But could you do that, Dylan, or did you just kind of oh, stand by, or did you lobby? All, I pitched to the writers all the time, random things. And I, every time I saw uh, a plateau or a, a, you know, a, a downswing, I would be, every week I would come with something. Every week I would come with something. Um, but it's the, and then, like, it was, it was, I'd worked, it was, like, from the Vince stuff with Finley and Vince to Chavo immediately. Like, kind of, a, not immediately, immediately, but pretty fast. And then, at, like, and then it went, that turned right into the DX. Yeah. So I didn't have really a plateau there, thankfully. Yeah. Um, well, but, folks, yeah, before, uh, and Dylan, before we get into that, because yeah. that, uh, that uh, is one of my favorite periods uh, of your career and also just what was going on with DX at the time of the WWE. But, uh, you know, folks, I have mentioned many times how much I love to go to live events. If you've ever been to a, a live WWE event, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but, you know, I also love going to concerts and sporting events, uh, whatever it may be. Well, I have now found an online ticket marketplace that not only can you get great seats for concerts and sporting events like baseball and football, but also great wrestling events. It's Vivid Seats. That's right, Vivid Seats. Now, it's an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. Vivid Seats offers great prices for all wrestling events, from uh, WWE pay-per-views to SmackDown and Raw, which Dylan knows very well, to indie shows like All In, which is coming up in Chicago, uh, not too far. We're, God, we're less than uh, two weeks away. Well, folks, for a very limited time, Vivid Seats is giving primetime listeners 10% off your first ticket order. All you need to do is enter the promo code PRIMETIME at checkout. Now, here's what you have to do. You can uh, go to vividseats.com. That's vividseats.com. Or download the app, Vivid Seats app. Uh, in addition to professional wrestling tickets, Vivid Seats can help you get the concert, professional sporting event, or show of your choice. And all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. And uh, once again, because you are a listener of Prime Time with Sean Mooney, uh, Sean Mooney, I should know my name, uh, Vivid Seats is offering Prime Time listeners an exclusive discount off their first order. Just go to vividseats.com or once again, download the app and use our exclusive promo code Primetime to receive 10% off your first order. The offer is good through the end of August. First time customers only. So, after listening to this great episode of Prime Time with Sean Mooney with Dylan Postel, go to vividseats.com or download the app and use the promo code PRIMETIME and get 10% off your first purchase. Okay, now let's get to what uh, I really want to hear about. This uh, really, I, I, I just love that whole era. It changed everything. And uh, you got to be a part of it with the uh, D-Generation X. Uh, did this come about through uh, lobbying or just out of left field? Like, what the hell? So, um, I was doing the, the stuff with Chavo. Right. It was a, we, we had a, it was going to be some, uh, the end of it where Chavo was going to actually come to my aid for the first time uh, against Chris Masters mm -hmm. during we were doing the rehearsal for everything, and after the rehearsal, 
I'm leaving the ring, headed to the back, and one of the writers comes up to me. He goes, hey, change of plans. Not quite sure what it is yet, but it's it's going to be changing. Mm-hmm. I go, oh, great. This is going to be canceled now, annoying my luck, and I'm not going to be oh, on at all. Yeah. Right, you're thinking, uh-oh. Yeah. Um, so I would come to find out later that Hunter and Sean were sitting ringside and uh, Hunter says to Sean, Hey, he really gets a good reaction. The kids really like him. Yeah. And Sean goes, Chavo? <laughs> <laughs> Hunter Thanks, goes, no, no, Hornswoggle. And uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, they do. And Hunter goes, what if he was a part of us? Like, what if he was with us? Sean goes, well, that would be a lot of fun. I think we could have fun with him. Yeah. And it was literally off to the races. Literally, plans changed that night, and that's when we started working the the little storyline together. You know, and, and it's it's amazing. Uh, like I, I mentioned, that this to me really, once again, you know, the the WWF had made changes along the way, but this to me was kind of going to the next level. And it just seemed like they got to this point where they basically said, you know what, fuck it, we're going we're just going to do what we want to do. And I think a lot of that, uh, came through with, with Sean and triple H and other people, you know, I've talked to also say, this is, this is a time when, um, you know, triple H really emerged, not that he wasn't over, but like where he came really came into his own. And did you see this happening at the time? I don't think so. Just because I was so, uh, overwhelmed with that. I was working with them. Yeah, I think it was just all so nuts to me. Like, oh my god, I'm I'm working with these two, these these guys that I, when I was a huge Generation X fan as a kid, now I'm working with them. Right, just blew my well, mind. And that's why I said, as I was mentioning, I'm not talking about that period of time when you were, but that whole, uh, you know, change with Degeneration X, uh, really, I think, set a whole new stage for the company. And, and, and this was kind of like where it was going. And the fact that you got to jump on that train, uh, must've really been awesome. Uh, how did they kind of explain how you were going to fit into this? They didn't <laughs> <laughs> really, uh, literally it was, you're, you're part of us now. Yeah. Um, and you know, we did all this, sec- the, the vignettes of me trying to be a part of DX and all that. And then it finally happened and it was it was off to the races from there. I was doing overseas tours with them and house shows with them and every night doing the DX pyro, which every night blew my mind because I'm, I'm doing the DX pyro with Sean and honor. And it's just, it's awesome. So, uh, when, when, uh, how did they, you know, as the, as this went on, uh, how did your character develop with them? I mean, what did they, because it just, it, it, I, I mean, I'm just saying, looking as an outsider too, because I certainly had no idea what went on behind the scenes that uh, that you fit into these storylines. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Know. You're not helping me here, Dylan. I know I'm not, and this is this is the hard part because I don't I don't know why I was a part of them. In all reality, I I dressed up as Sean one week. Yeah. They were mad at me because I dressed up as Sean. I took them, they, they gave me a pedigree at Madison Square Garden. Uh, I then sued them in Little People's Court, <laughs> which makes complete sense. Right. I, <laughs> oh, and the nonsense, gave, yeah. 
they said, okay, you're part of us. And yeah. here I, and then I was part of them. Yeah. That it's, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I don't want to question any of it because I was a goddamn part of generation X and I, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it was kind of this, it was kind of the next phase of Degeneration yeah. X, because we saw the, you know, the emergence in 97, and and uh, like I said, how that changed the business and how uh, it changed Sean and and, uh, and Hunter, as I mentioned, yeah. for forever, it was, it, how they were the business. But this was, a, was a, it just seemed like a lot of fun. That's what it, more I guess. Fun, that, a more fun, a more, obviously, you know, PG era kid-friendly um, version, and I just... It was man, the stuff we did was so much fun. They bowled, they they said on raw midget bowling. Yeah. And they threw me down the hallway on a skateboard. I mean, I don't think they'd do that in ninety seven. They would have oh, been a doctor and pushed me off of, off the Titantron. But like it was it was just it's it's awesome. It's awesome to think about. But uh and that's another thing we could what I wanted to touch on a little. What did uh what was the reaction to um, some of these groups, LPA and and uh, you know, for what you were doing? Did they did I they never. enjoy the fact that you were, uh, you know, making uh, headway for little people in the entertainment business, or did they look at it like, what are you doing? I never heard anything, like really. No, never, never. I know, like, I remember Vince always said we can't say midget on television. And we got, I remember like it was said twice in the whole time, mm. uh, the whole, like the whole 10, almost 10 years I was there. But I remember it specifically because we can't say midget on television. Um, so they were sensitive to it to an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Besides yeah. Doing midget uh, bowling. Or, yeah. yeah. I just, I don't, I, but I'd never heard of, you know, if LP, I'm sure they, I'm sure they didn't like it, how mm. I was treated some of the time, but at that point. I'm on again. I'm on television, living my dream. I don't really give a damn what little people of America think at that point. Right. And and I don't imagine that you saw yourself as this uh, symbol either. No, not at all. I'm just you're Dylan, just working. I'm Dylan from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, on WWF WWE television. Wow, that's awesome. The, yeah, and I, th and I think I've always had that kind of mindset for the most part. Well, and I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, Dylan, that is the way it should be, uh, that the, all, all you ever wanted to do was certainly be a superstar in the WWE, but to be treated as an equal, uh, for whatever the ups and the downs that go with it. It's, it's, the thing is, is, uh, the, the crazy part is, is I started as Dylan from Oshkosh, just a little person that was a wrestling fan. And now after WWE, I'm back to Dylan from Oshkosh, who's a wrestling fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, and there's also, there's, you know, there's all these damn shoot interviews out there that would, uh, you know, some had described you as a bully. But, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, but and, and I know you wear that proudly in a sense, but was it uh, because, you know, the encounters I've had with you, uh, and, and I know that, you know, I, I know Bruce very well. He speaks very highly of you. Um, that about. it was, it was part of the world that you did. Was it one of those things that, you know, I can't let people ever walk on me. What was the mindset or were you just an asshole? <laughs> no, I think, I, I think it was, <laughs> it depends who you ask, of course. Yeah. Um, I think it was, everyone's hazing each other 
And like, I, I mean, I was like, I was in school growing up. I wasn't going to let people bully me because of my stature. And I just never dealt with it. So now I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to dish it out just as much as I'm going to take it too. Yeah. I think. Well, and that's how you survive in that world. I mean, you, yeah, you, you have to, you have yeah. to. And, and I think people kind of took that as, you know, the, the bully thing, I just laughed because I, I love it because I, I was, I would bully Kali, the great Kali of all people. I would say, yeah, you can't speak English and yeah. that kind of thing to him. And this is a seven foot three guy that, you know, a midget is bullying around. So it's just, it's, it, I, I never took anything and I don't think anyone else took anything too seriously. Yeah. And, and, but what about some of these other roles? Cause I mean, well, we could probably, we could go on certainly for another hour, but what stands out after, uh, working with DX and, uh, you know, the other things that you did, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was quite the lull until we all see. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was quite, quite the lull. I mean, May Young gave birth to me at one point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was a few of those where I was like, ah, this, this isn't the greatest, but yeah. again, you got to also look at it like, oh, I'm, I'm again on TV living my dream. Um, but we all see when they, when they brought El Torito and when they brought El Torito and I hated my life, I truly, uh, truly, that was, that was the worst part of my, of my life. Like the hardest part of my career there. Um, I thought it was all over. This is a guy from Mexico who can wrestle, do 97 backflips. Like, and I'm, I'm sitting here just okay, like, what great. the hell? Yeah. It's, it's, it's when, uh, it's like, you know, getting that new toy. And yeah. they, they, they had that new toy and, they were really, really happy with him. And every week when I would say, let me wrestle him, they would go, nope, that's too, all I could hear was, that's too easy. Mm. Okay. And then they gave us a chance and I go on record of saying it every time I'm talking about it, we, we knocked it out of the park every time. And it's, we all see is the greatest, the greatest thing I will ever do in my, in my career. Really? Yeah. I truly feel that way. And, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of things why it really stands out, but ab above all, uh, what is it that that you're they, so proud of that? They being people in the locker room, they being the writers, they being probably a lot of the office, they being the fans said, had the mindset of this is going to be a joke. They can't make this wrestling. They, they, this is going to be Haiti kid in little Tokyo with King Kong Bundy. Mm-hmm. And we went out there and absolutely killed each other. And New Jersey, who's the second hardest crowd in the in the country behind Chicago, were on their feet the whole time. And, and was I, that his mindset coming into that match too? I mean, did you guys say? I think, oh, I think it was all, all of. Them. I think it was all of ours because it was you know Torito with the Matadors yeah. and with uh, Heath, Drew, and Jinder as three MB. Um, we were put on the pre-show in this gimmick match. And kind of all like, all right, they want to put us in the pre-show. Great. They want to kind of overlook us. Awesome. But we're going to steal the goddamn show. Yeah. And it's going to happen. And putting that match together, it was, it was all of us putting it together. And I asked, I specifically asked for Finley to be one of our agents because I knew no matter what, he would go to bat for us on a lot of things. Yeah. We're going to be back. Yeah. And he, we kind of got free. They just said, "All right, what do you guys want to do?" And the, the the eight of us, seven of us, all were throwing stuff out there, and it was it was a car crash, but it was the greatest car crash I've ever seen. 
and it's it was it was just fun. It was fun for us, and it it was again, it's the greatest thing I'll ever do in a wrestling ring. Uh, uh, when it st- when it started to wind down, did you have a feeling yeah. that that it was coming? In uh... yeah, I did. Um, I was off of TV. I was I was sitting home, not even off just off TV. I was sitting home for a year and a half. I had one match. My final match was in, I believe, I think it was March. I'm probably, probably really wrong, but it was, it was at some point. Uh, it was in Green Bay. I messaged Road Dog. I was off at that point. I was off TV for about a year. I messaged Road Dog. I said, "Hey, I was going to come and visit tonight. I know I'm not written into the show. Could I have a, a dark, the dark match? My son's going to be there and my family. It would really mean a lot to me." And he goes, "Yep, you and Heath tonight. Hmm. Awesome." Um, this is like the, the final like WWE story that I really have too, which is kind of crazy is uh, we had the match and early, earlier in the day, I'm walking around with my son who was four at the time. Uh, and Dolph Ziggler comes up to me and he goes, bring him in the ring tonight. I go, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And Ziggler goes, yeah, you are. I go, no. He goes, why wouldn't you? I said, because I'm not that guy. I, I don't know. I'm not that, I'm not that person who's going to trophy my son around in the ring. Like, on, a, on WWE, especially in a dark match of all times, that's what's on my place. I'm lucky enough to be able to have the dark match when I'm not on TV for so long. Uh, well, I do the match with Heath, of all people, who was, it was so much fun. Yeah. And the match is over. Um, I end up winning. Match is over, and I look to the right, and my son's in the ring with me. Oh, and wow. I, what are you doing? He goes... They gave me. They got me in the ring. I go, oh yeah, and he comes up to me and gives me a hug. And it's so. Was that Dolph who grabbed him and, and put him in? I found out. I, we get to the back. I yeah. get to the back because, of course, my son doesn't want to walk up the ramp. He wants to go sit back by my dad and watch the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> so he, uh, I get to the back, and Dolph is sitting there, standing there in gorilla, and he's clapping. He goes, "That was pretty awesome, huh?" And I go, I hate you. <laughs> he goes, no, you don't. I said, I don't. I said, I hate. I said, thank you, man. I, I, and that picture, it was, it was like three years ago to the day yesterday, yesterday, the day before mm-hmm. and it came up on my feed and I sent the picture to him and I said, uh, thank you for making me such an awesome dad again. Yeah. And he, uh, he goes, I'm just glad it all worked out. So what happened was. As soon as we had that conversation and I said, no way, he went to John Laurinaitis and he went to the head of our uh, WWE security and said, make sure you grab him. Mm. Make sure you grab his son and get him in the ring after this match. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, the, the weirdest part was that would be my last match in WWE. So the, the, the final match in WWE, the final like memory I would have at that point would be hugging my son in the middle of the ring. Yeah, and I know you're uh, you're really proud of what you accomplished and and the time that you spent with the WWE. Yeah. But I I think that something you're even prouder of is being uh, dad to to Landon. Tell us a little bit about how he came into your life and and uh, what he I means don't to get, it. Now. I don't want to get too graphic. I mean, I, I don't yeah. want to. Yeah, take me that far back, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Like he just we uh, his mom and I. We, it was it was a very uh, a surprise. And the first thing I asked the doctor was, okay, is he going to be a, a midget? And mm. they, the minute they told me no, I said, awesome. So you had perfect. the test done? Yeah, because you... Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, we had ultrasound done and everything. And you and wanted to know? I wa- Yeah, I needed to know. I needed uh-huh. to know because, I mean, as awesome as my life was, I didn't want him to go through the health stuff that I did. 
Mm-hmm. That was my yeah. biggest concern. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he's like, he's me. Like so many times I'm now seeing he's me in life. And I, I've, I've tried my best to mold him as much as I can. And he's just awesome. It was at that moment, uh, though, when he came into this world, uh, you know, we, we, his parents, uh, you know, you count the 10 fingers and toes, uh, but for you to see him and knowing, uh, you knew he was going to be average size, but they, what do you remember they, looking at that child and saying, yeah. my, you know, you have a, a body that isn't going to go through what mine has. It was, it was, it made me so happy. And, mm. and it, it, I was so, so excited. And then first like main, main checkup, they go, yeah, like his one year checkup, they go, he's in the 90th, 98th percentile for height and weight. Oh. And then every year after that, since then, even he's been in the 90 to the 95th every year. Boy. So I'm so, sure initially, Dylan, you were probably, oh, that, that is awesome. And then you're thinking, uh oh, wait a minute. They, no, they said, they said, like, at his two year checkup, they go, don't be surprised if he's six foot. And I go, oh, oh who's the, which, which, I could get a hold of the mailman or something. I, I don't know who to blame for this. So. It's, it's, but it's, it's awesome. Like he, he, uh, he surpassed me last year in height and he won't ever let anyone or me live that down. Um, but it's just, man, it's, it's the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. It's, I'm a single dad. I know. Single dad just raising him when I, I'm, I have him every day I'm home and, and his mom has him when I'm gone. And it's just the greatest thing ever. And he, He's like, no, I, I just had this. The crazy thing is, I just talked to Miz about this. Um, I find I got to see him at we we did Ziggler's comedy show in New York in New York, and I talked to him about the baby and and his baby and his daughter, you know, the daughter and that. I said, yeah, the craziest thing, man, is you could get released tomorrow or just be done wrestling, but you'll still have her, and that's the coolest thing ever, right? And he goes, that's the greatest, that's the greatest thing ever, yeah. and. Uh, it's just fun because like Kofi has now two sons, but his, his oldest son and Landon are a year apart, maybe a year and a half. And they're like best friends, but they've never met. They know each other through FaceTime because they've <laughs> talked to and Hawkins has his daughter now. So we, uh, when we would always say Kofi and I, cause the, the writing situation towards the end, it was always Kofi, me and Hawkins, yeah. Kurt Haw and, um, we would sit down to Denny's and Hawkins would get so pissed because we would sit down to Denny's, we'd put our order in and then Kofi and I would get up to call home and we'd just leave Hawkins at the table alone. He's like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and we would always say, we need to, you know, this is, this is a uh, team dad time. And so when Hawkins uh, was having his little girl and told Kofi and I, he goes, Hey guys, could I be a part of team dad now? And uh, it's just, it's kind of a bond that we have. And, and just to see, to see that. And I mean, Landon, Landon knows Kofi as one of his best friends. And this mm-hmm. is a, you know, he, as, as he asks about him and asks about Hawkins and John Cena and all this and, and Cena, every time I would bring him around, Cena would have a pair of wristbands for him and mm-hmm. armbands. And, and that's just something that he remembers. Like, and this is, since he was real, real young, he remembers this and yeah. some memories that he'll always have is, are pretty cool. And to keep making the memories now is awesome. Yeah. And, and, uh, I don't know if you ever had, because you said it was unexpected, uh, when he came along, but did you, uh, have, uh, 
you know, doubts or reservations about, you know, becoming a parent? Or did you always say, you know, I, I, I want to be a dad someday? No, I never, I never thought, especially at that point, I was living the life. I was living the, the road life. I never thought, okay, I'm going to be a dad now. No, never. Um, I mean, I always kind of had in the back of my mind, like, uh, this probably, this might happen someday. Yeah. Um, but I never thought about it. I was, I was, I was still very, very young at heart, you could say. Yeah, <laughs> and young in the mind—that's for sure. Um, but that I, I, I kind of say it where the minute he was born, the minute I held him, like everything kind of paused, and you think like, "Oh, now I have him, and now everything has to change for him. <clears throat> yeah. I can't just live for me." Yeah, well, and that—that's what happens, and uh, that's you have it in the right place. But it sounds like you know you have a good, you have a good dad in your life, and uh, it sounds like he's passed on a lot of that wisdom to you. Um, what is uh, you know what are you up to now? You mentioned that you're uh, you know going on the road. You've done some of these shows with Tommy and and uh, you know different appearances. I know, uh, but you also have this wrestling training. Uh, I have a company and shows. Company, wrestling company, and a training school, oh. um, ACW Wisconsin. Uh, out of Oshkosh, we've been going. This is our fifth year, fifth year anniversary coming up in uh, wow. the end of November, and it started literally. I was on the road. I was, I was off the road with from WWE, and I texted my two best friends and I said, "Hey guys, let's run a wrestling show. I'm really bored." <laughs> yeah. So uh, we ran one, and it was a huge success. And so we go, "Okay, let's do it again." And again, turned into five years now. Wow. Um, it's so community based and so just, I mean, we have a following and a support group in Oshkosh so much. We, uh, the local Oshkosh, we, they just built a D league and we were the very first and still are the only wrestling company to ever go there. And we had over 2,500 people in there, which is pretty awesome for Oshkosh, Wisconsin of all places. Um, we, then it was, again, we ran, we were running for a year or so. And then I was off the road again. I said, okay, guys, Let's start training kids. And now three years later, we've, uh, we have a pretty fun school, an awesome school. And it's just, it's going really well. And that's all on top of my independent schedule, which is every weekend, which is awesome. I now, uh, Have you had yeah. other uh, midgets coming to you and wanting you to train them? Is it like Never. all summers? How does it really? Never. Yeah, hmm. which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, if, it would be very, very odd for me. Cause it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to train a guy to be a midget wrestler. I just know how to try a guy to be a normal well, wrestler. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying yeah. other guy, other uh, people out there that want to follow your path, that they would, they want to be would, superstars. I, mean, I, would, I would, I would absolutely love it. Obviously, um, it would be a, it would be a, a, a challenge that I'd be fully willing to accept. Um, but it's, it, it's just, it's at this point, I, uh, I tell these guys from day one that they're not going to be in WWE. They're mm -hmm. not going to be on television. And I, because I don't want their mindsets of, you know, Oh, we're going to trade by, by, you know, the former WWE guy. He's going to get his son. No, right. there is that small, minute amount that get hired. Yeah. And it's, it's not in your control to get hired nowadays. It really isn't. Now, how, um, how does it work now? Because I don't know. I don't know. I truly, truly don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I truly don't know. I think, yeah. you know, if you have enough buzz behind you and if you're a, a, a good performer. Yeah, they find you, right? 
I don't know. Now with social media and the and uh, you know that way that works, yeah, they seem to be able to find crazy. It's crazy to think it's how it's all changed. Um, But it's I want these guys to not have their dreams set on their mindset on I'm going to be in WWE one day. Yeah, and that's I. It might be an awful thing to say, but I think it's not the mindset to have of you know because what if it doesn't happen? Now you trained and you worked independently and what do you have to show for it? No, instead have a different mindset going into it. Yeah. Hey, are you still uh, are you still uh, pursuing the acting because uh, you know I know that you've my, been my Oscar. You for... mean because of my Oscar winning role in Leprechaun Origins? Origins, yes, of course. <laughs> or the Muppets, then, uh, the Muppets. I think is Mupp- the... yeah, Muppets Most Wanted, which was man, that was a dream come true. That's uh, oh. no, that's it's... folks. What uh, it sounds like you're in a harbor. Is there like tugboats there with those that horn? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is there? Is there? I'm sorry. I don't know what is that. I don't know. Uh, it, maybe it's our connection, but okay. I know you're, you, you, the Muppets are huge in your life. And, yes, uh, they, uh, they are. It's, it's a big deal for me. Um, they, I was always a, uh, a fanatic all my life. And to be in that, to be a part of that movie was, I always say it's, it's only second to land in being born just because if I put it before, I wouldn't be a very good person. Yeah. Um, but it, it, uh, it was awesome that whole experience, but as far as acting goes, I, I I would love to pursue it if there's stuff out there. But I'm not, I don't know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not in the know of of reaching out for stuff like that. Well, Oshkosh is not exactly the mecca for. We are, no Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood ain't casting in Oshkosh very much. But you must look at people like uh, Peter Dinklage, who is uh, you know everybody knows him, folks from uh, Game of Thrones. Um, and and I imagine if the two of you met, you would have a lot in common because he he also seems like one of the guy, one of these people who never thought of his stature. That he and, and he is certainly considered a you know as big an actor as any others in Hollywood. Peter Dinklage has definitely made a huge name for little people when it comes to uh, film and television these days. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think uh, you know, Dylan. You're 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 right up there with people that have uh, blazed a trail, and uh, I know you're very humble. But really, I mean that when I say what you've done for professional wrestling, um, for people, uh, little people, as it's the PC, but midgets. Really, like I mean that when I say that. When and I, I I mean that when 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 I when I saw uh, and had watched your career, and I remember thinking that this guy has. He's taken it to the next level because he's just become a superstar. He's not a midget superstar. He's become one of them. And and really, you've get. I, I hope you're very proud of that, and you really should should be. And uh, I I know why your son Landon would be proud. And when he gets older, I'm sure he's going to tell you someday. <laughs> uh, you know, he he. I, I truly feel like he is even now. Um, as much as he doesn't want to, the craziest thing is he's like. I'm just dad to him, which is yeah. all I want to be in reality. Uh, but he'll come to my like local shows, and and uh, like if I'm if it's a Midwest show, I'll have him come with me. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he will he'll critique my matches. Ah, uh, that wasn't very good. Yeah. Or that Dylan, you could have dad dad, you could have done that a little better. But it's it's crazy to think that a guy from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, has uh, has has done as much as I've done. It's, yeah. it's very humbling. It's very awesome to think about that. Yeah. Is that, is, is, uh, what do you think Landon's path is? 
do you, what do you think he, you see him doing someday? I asked, someone asked him the other day, and he said, I want to be a scientist. And I go, well, what? Okay. Since when? This is news to me. Um, but that's that's what he said. If he would be a professional wrestler, it would be awesome, but I'm never going to push him that way. Yeah. Uh, well, I think what the the great message here is, though, he yeah. looked, he'll look at his father and say, you know what? There are no obstacles that you can't get past, and you can accomplish uh, what you want if you really, really believe it. And so, I really, uh, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, Dylan. It's been a, a great time talking with you. And I know we will run uh, into each other uh, down the road somewhere, and we'll have oh. uh, a few more vodkas together. I hope so. Next uh, next year, I do want to want to touch on this quick, if possible. Yeah. Uh, next June, I believe. The uh, a certain book calls "Life's Short and So Am I." By, yes, it's in the works. By, my, by myself and uh, and Ross Owen Williams, it will be will be coming out, and it will tell even more about everything, which I'm very very excited for. So, awesome. In the meantime, uh, where can they get in touch with you? Do you have a website? Uh, I you can find out more I about your school or web stuff uh, as far as a site. So I do not have one of those yet. I'm hoping very soon, but on Twitter, it's at WWE Hornswoggle because they haven't taken it away from me yet. <laughs> oh, hold on. Uh, otherwise, book Hornswoggle at gmail.com to bring me into your fairs, your local wrestling events, your bar mitzvahs, your birthday parties, whatever you need a somewhat athletic midget for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. It's been great. Dylan, take care. See how to land for me. I hope I meet him someday soon. I sure will. Thanks, All man. Right. I really enjoyed my conversation with Dylan Postel. What a, a great individual, very humble, um, and learning about his life. And it sounds like he had some pretty good people along the way, uh, beginning with his father and then, of course, the other people he met. And I'll tell you, I mean, he, he definitely had the luck of the Irish, uh, certainly had some talent to, to add to that. But um, now he's got, raising a son and uh, still still out there and somebody who... I think in many ways, and he didn't uh, at first understand it when we first met in New Orleans at uh, Wallamania, but I uh, I really think that he blazed a trail in the WWE, um, and, and not just for little people, you know, the PC, but as he likes to refer to them as, as midgets, because uh, he's never really thought of himself as uh, being different, and uh, he fulfilled his dream and became a WWE superstar and uh, wanted to be just that. And uh, look at the career he had, almost 10 years. Uh, that's uh, really, I really enjoyed that. And of course, next week we'll have another great episode coming up. I want to thank our sponsors for this week. Uh, folks, check out Ting Mobile. Uh, listen to me on this. Uh, just find out about them. And I think you're really going to be uh, very happy. Um, we're going to make it very easy for you. All you have to do is go to primetime.com. Ting.com. That's primetime.ting.com. And sign up, and you will have a choice of either getting $25 off your first bill or $25 off a new phone in the Ting shop uh, if you don't already have a phone that you can use with that service. So all you got to do is go to primetime.ting.com. Ting Mobile, the best mobile you've never heard of. Also, get you some vivid seats. I love these guys. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. 
Just go to VividSeats.com or download the app and use our exclusive promo code PRIMETIME, P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E, to receive 10% off your first order. That offer is good through the end of August. First-time customers only, so get to it. Get you some Vivid Seats. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll have another great conversation coming up. StarCast is uh, rolling in very quickly. We're now less than two weeks away. Uh, wow, not barely. I mean, almost a little more than a week, actually. I'm really looking forward to uh, all that's going to be happening there. Um, really ca- I can't wait to get with Jim Johnston. Uh, stream it if you can, if you don't have tickets to be there. If you do, come and say hi. I'd uh, love to meet you. Maybe I already have at uh, some of the appearances out there, but uh, it's going to be great. Uh, like I said, we'll have another great episode, though, for you to listen to next week. In the meantime, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. Music.